I know many of us in our church have travelled abroad extensively. And if you have been overseas, you'll know that one of the problems you have to keep your eye out for is pickpockets. Busy cities like Rome are renowned for its highly skilled pickpockets. A few years ago, we were boarding a train in Rome when a young woman came straight up to me and was intent on getting my full attention. I just sensed there were others with her that were closing in on me um, pretty quickly. So I moved away and jumped on the train, pressed against the other passengers. I, I, I guess I had hands on every pocket and two feet trying to do the same. Years before, I had led a short-length mission trip to Kenya and warned the team not to keep their passports and money in their day bag. Rather, they should have it stored on their body in a, in a belt wallet or something similar. Sure enough, just as we were leaving the coastal city of Mombasa on an eight-hour bus ride, pickpockets jumped aboard selling trinkets, and the next thing, a bag was gone with 500 US dollars and a passport in it. We're in a battle, a battle in this life against a thief. There are many people who will steal from you, but there is one being who wants to kill, steal, and destroy humanity, the evil one. He is a joy thief. Today we're in Psalm 126. And we're focusing on the place of joy in the discipleship journey. The people of Israel sang the songs of ascent on their annual uphill pilgrimage for the feast of Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles, where they celebrated and remembered that they were a rescued people, Passover, a commanded people, Pentecost, and a blessed people, Tabernacles. Integral to the journey of discipleship is joy, a small word with a big impact, joy. Joy can be stolen, which is a problem because Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Stolen joy equals stolen strength. How do you define joy? Pastor and author John Piper says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul <clears throat> produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. John Piper contends that joy is an emotion, but it's an emotion or feeling that is experienced essentially in the soul, that part of us which is immaterial. I share Piper's definition because I think it's an example of the weirdness of the word joy. Am I joyful if I feel terrible, never smile, generally feel hopeless, lack peace, and typically am not much fun to be around? Well, if joy is kept in my immaterial soul and therefore not part of my physical reality, it would seem like it doesn't matter what you see on the outside. We're all like the old comedian Elliot Goblet, smiling on the inside. I suspect joy is more complex than that and more simple. As Eugene Peterson says, joy is a product of abundance. It is the overflow of vitality. It is life working together harmoniously. It is exuberance. Inadequate sinners as we are, none of us can manage that for very long. Joy doesn't have to be hidden in our immaterial souls. And in some ways, it can't be because we all know it can be stolen. I trust we'll see from today's passage that joy is a product of other things working together, as Peterson says, life working together harmoniously, and I would add, in Christ. Joy gets stolen when we lose sight of joy's buddies, 
in the famous five. Love, faith, peace and hope. But let's get into our psalm for today. Psalm 126. Let me read it again. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. For the psalmist, there is joy in the present, verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. It is a present reality, but we also, interestingly, have a recognition that present joy is surrounded by past memories of joy, verse 1 and 2, and future hope of joy, verse 4 and 6, or 4 to 6. Present joy sits in the midst of memories of the past and hopes for the future. Verse 1 says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. It was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. I'm thinking we all know that stories are important. Stories, in fact, are essential for every culture to survive throughout successive generations. Stories are significant for families and individuals. How you and I frame our experiences in life will be revealed through our stories. Did God come to your aid back in that calamity? Was it God who answered your prayer? Or was it blind luck? So the people of Israel are on an uphill pilgrimage journey to Jerusalem. It's a metaphor for life and the discipleship journey. Life 3,000 years ago is tough. Death is around every turn, yet there is joy. There is joy found in the memories of God's faithfulness. They retell and remember and remember and retell. Have you found that? As you retell the past joys of God's deliverance, of the Lord's gracious and sweet presence in your life, you remember and you remember more and retell more. The fire of present joy is stoked by the memories of previous joy. So what stories are the people of Israel retelling and remembering and remembering and retelling? Well, there's the story of God's people in servitude under the shadows of the Egyptian pyramids and the lash of harsh masters. And then suddenly it was over. One day they were making bricks without straw and the next... They were running up the far slopes of the Red Sea, shouting the great song, I'm singing my heart out to God, what a victory. He pitched horse and rider into the sea. God is my strength, God is my song, and yes, God is my salvation. This is the kind of God I have. I'm telling the world, this is the God of my Father. I'm raising the roof. 
And there's the story of David. Years of war against the Philistines, hunted by the paranoid King Saul, the guilt of murder and adultery, then in his old age, chased from his throne by his own son and forced to set up a government in exile. At the end, David sings in 2 Samuel 22, verse 2, God is my bedrock, he says, under my feet, the, the castle in which I live, my rescuing night. David sings in verse 47, The Lord lives, blessing from my rock. In the middle of his song, verse 29, there's a rocket burst of joy. He says, I'm ablaze with your light. I vault the high fences. Then the terrible story of Babylonian captivity. Israel experienced the worst that can come to any of us. Rape in the streets, literally cannibalism in the kitchens, neighbours reduced to bestiality that sickens, a 1,000-kilometre forced march across the desert, mocked and taunted, and then incredibly joy, beginning with the words of Isaiah in chapter 40. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak softly and tenderly to Jerusalem, but also firmly and boldly, that she has served her sentence, that her sin is taken care of, forgiven, Isaiah 41 to 2. And then the swelling reassurances of help. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. Don't be afraid. I'm with you, Isaiah 43. The sounds combine and surge to a proclamation. And the proclamation is this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers bringing good news. Voices, listen. Your scouts are shouting, thunderclap shouts, shouting in joyful unison. The gratitude builds into joy. Psalm 126 verse 1. It seemed like a dream. Too good to be true when God returned Israel's exiles. Can you see each act of God was an impossible miracle. There was, there was no way it could have happened, yet it did happen. It seemed like a dream. Too good to be true. Joy has a history. Joy has a past. Present joy needs memory to stoke the fire. Amen. Eugene Peterson says this, Joy is the verified, repeated experience of those involved in what God is doing. It is as real as a date in history, as solid as a stratum of rock in Palestine. Joy is nurtured by living in such a history, building on such a foundation. What are the stories of God's goodness in the past that you need to retell yourself and others to stoke the fires of joy in your heart in the present? Verses 4 to 6 speak of future joy. The psalmist chooses two images to fix his eyes on. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. The Negev, south of Israel, is a vast desert. There are networks of ditches cut into the soil by wind and rain erosion that create water channels. For most of the year, they're baked dry under the sun, but a sudden downpour makes the desert come alive with plant life. The second image is those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. The farmer sows into ground filled with hope. The harvest will come in due time. The Bible tells an overarching narrative that all suffering 
All pain, all emptiness, all disappointment is seed. Sow it in God and he will finally bring a crop of joy from it. And that future story is post-Jesus, wrapped up in the truth of the resurrection. Jesus said, John 12, 24, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate story of future joy. The story of the gospel is a story of a seed dying and then producing resurrection, new life. This is exactly how Hebrews describes Jesus' pathway to the cross. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus went to the cross immersed in the joy of what lay ahead the other side of the cross. The farmer plants in tears sometimes, but reaps with joy. Present joy is linked to past memories of joy and future hopes of this same joy. I can't think of a more powerful example in my own life of present joy grounded in future joy than standing uh, literally a few metres away from my dad's coffin at the crematorium nine years ago. A completely unexpected death, causing months of deep grief for our family. Yet in that moment, in that Thanksgiving service, in the context of singing songs of praise and hearing scriptures spoken out of the resurrection to come, I was filled with joy. In fact, as Peter describes it now, I sensed a joy unspeakable. It is unspeakable because it can't be described. It's based in the past historically verifiable truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is based in a rock solid hope of the resurrection of humanity to eternal life and new creation for all those who put faith in Jesus. It's real, this joy. It's it's here in this body, not just my soul. Past joy, future joy produces, as the psalmist says in verse 3, a person who is Filled with joy. The Lord, verse 3, has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians, which is often referred to as the epistle of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is describing being filled with joy. Peter called it joy unspeakable. Joy in the present. I want to go back to Eugene Peterson's quote. Joy is a product of abundance. It is the overflow of vitality. It is life working together harmoniously. It is exuberance. Inadequate sinners as we are, none of us can manage that for very long. Living in present joy is not something us inadequate sinners can manage to do 
for very long on our own. I asked the Wednesday morning prayer group at our church here, who together have about 1,000 years of combined wisdom with an average age of probably 75. I asked them to explain joy to me. There were several pearls dropped. Then I said what I thought was pretty pearl-like wisdom. I said, joy is like a very young baby, a really young baby, laughing uncontrollably at a rattle. Just unhindered, unbridled joy, deep joy. That's what joy is. And Lorna immediately said, see what happens when you take the rattle away from them. I thought, I am defeated. It was a great point. Lorna had a great point. Joy can be stolen. The devil is a joy thief. Some people we work with, live with, interact with in our lives, some people we drive our cars in front of, are joy stealers. How do we live in such a way that we guard our joy in the Lord? Joy is a product of abundance. It's the overflow of vitality. It is life working together harmoniously. Joy requires its buddies in the famous five. When we live aware, presently aware, every day of our lives, of the truth and power of the famous five, we will find past joy, future joy, and present joy. So what are the famous five? We've got faith, hope, love, peace, and joy. Think of love. God demonstrated his love for us in the life and death of Jesus. For you and for I, when we didn't deserve it, he sent Jesus to pay for our sins with his blood. The death of Jesus on a cross for the world is the love of God for us. You are loved today, no less than the day Jesus died for you. Take that in. After your most recent awareness of your own sinfulness, remember you are loved no less than when that love drove God to die on a cross in the form of Jesus Christ for you. But to truly receive the love of God, we need faith. That love was demonstrated a long time ago. It happened a long way away in the Middle East. It's spiritual the ramifications of that love. I can't see this life God gives me, but it's real. Love drives faith, which drives peace. Jesus fixed the problem of sin between me and God. He made reconciliation possible. By faith in Jesus, I am at peace with God. Love, faith, peace, and the gospel promises me eternal life, perfect Eternal new creation, more real than my hands in front of me. And that stirs hope. Hope is faith in what is yet to come. It's trusting that the same God who saved me yesterday and holds my life in his hands today is the God who has secured my future hope beyond the grave. Hope changes me today. How? I feel joy. And it's not just a nebulous spiritual soul joy that no one can see. It's joy. It's the ability to keep walking through the pain and tyranny and disappointment and frustration of a fallen world. It's the ability to tangibly contribute a, a different vibe into our work and social and communal and familial settings. When joy is wrapped up in the famous five... Fueled by grace alone, love and faith and peace and hope and joy. Pickpockets don't stand a chance. 
Your joy doesn't get stolen. God's got your back and your front and your sides and underneath and on top. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Joy is a product of abundance. It is the overflow of vitality. It is life working together harmoniously as love and faith and peace and hope and joy work together by God's grace in your life. May God's faithfulness in your past remind you of joy. May God's promises for your future strengthen you with joy. May God and his presence in your present fill you with joy. Amen, in the name of Jesus, and Amen.